What is up, my brothers and sisters, my agents of respect? It's your boy, Trey Johnson, back with another episode of the No Disrespect But Podcast. I know it's been a while, so let me give y'all this reminder. Make sure to like and subscribe to the channel. Always feel free to comment. Just keep those comments respectful. And if you are interested in supporting yours truly, your favorite podcaster, the link to do so will be in the episode description. Now, start today's episode. It's been a while. It's been a lot of things that have happened. We've had the conference championships. We've had... Uh, the Super Bowl, which uh, was won by the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, when it comes to the WWE, we've had the return of The Rock and getting to a few with what we thought was going to be Roman Reigns. And then he's teaming up with Roman Reigns to go against Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins and all these, these crazy things going on in the WWE. Obviously, the NBA season has winded down to the All-Star break. Um, you saw where uh, Victor Wimbiyama hit kind of a rookie wall for a little bit. You know, he wasn't having as good of performances as he had before. And then last night just completely shatters it, gets a triple-double uh, with 10 blocks in a game, which is impressive. Um, you've seen the Lakers come um, up as of late. You've seen New Orleans Pelicans come through. Uh, you've seen New York Knicks, who I picked to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Please remember that, Stephen A., because I have to sit courtside at Madison Square Garden. Those are the rules. I will make sure to keep reminding you that. But either way, man, we have seen a lot happening in the sports world, and it's been crazy and phenomenal. Um, obviously, the college basketball seasons are starting to get into March, and we know March Madness and what that can bring. And that's where I want to uh, tailor today's episode and the direction. And Super Bowl Sunday, um, happened to get home from church, and uh, the craze right now is Caitlin Clark uh, pursuing the record. Um, I believe she's going to be on pace to pass Kelsey Plum for the most points scored um, in women's college basketball team or basketball college ever for a player. And so she's really close to making history. And if you've been following the game, she is the best player in college basketball. Um, hasn't necessarily yielded to championships, but as you know, in basketball, you have to have a team to win. And so um, I was in the process of trying to build that around there and around her and have complimentary players, but um, the star power that she has um, just as a ball player is phenomenal. You want to watch her. It doesn't matter if you are boy, girl, man, woman, whatever it might be. You want to watch this young lady play the game of basketball. Um, it's evident because they are having sellouts. Stadiums are having sellouts to watch her play. Um they just played Nebraska on Sunday um, and ended up in the loss. But either way, <laughs> folks are selling out stadiums on the road at Iowa's home arena to watch her play and to, at this point, see if she's going to break that record and how much she can put on that record to possibly be unobtainable um, for some time. And, as I was watching that game and just knowing what Caitlin Clark has been uh, for the women's game in college basketball and how it's grown and how it's put more eyes on it, I really wondered, are we ready, one, for what's happening, but what's about to happen? Um, and when I say that, and it's not just Caitlin Clark, but when you're talking about Angel Reese and her brand and her style of play, that's physical Old school, back to the basket, in the paint, uh, you know, 
a big in that post, uh, shades of, of Brittany Griner when she was coming out of Baylor. Are we are we ready for someone like her and what she can bring? Uh, again, the game that she already has, but the swag that comes with it, the notoriety that comes with it. Uh, are we ready for a, a Paige Beckers, who uh, was a freshman phenom? Some argue that she would have been the number one overall pick had she been allowed to go in that draft, then deals with injuries, and now she's coming back stronger than ever uh, for UConn, but also someone who has had a growing Presence in the game of basketball, period. And as a fan of the game, right, you fall in love with these players and what they bring. But when you really love a player's game, you follow them the whole way. And so with the eyes and the attention that has gone on, a Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese, a Paige Beckers, and some of the other phenomenal players that are coming in behind them, that's going to translate to the next level. Um, or at least you assume it's going to translate to the next level. And, you know, that's one of the things that used to make men's college basketball special because you had players that maybe stayed two, three, sometimes even four years. And you could build a vested interest in them, in their journey, and where they went. Um, you know, I was a big fan. I'm a Duke fan. You know that. And growing up, for me, J.J. Reddick was my guy. So being able to watch him during this time at Duke and then see him get drafted by the Orlando Magic and then see him um, in Milwaukee and the Clippers and so on and so forth until he ultimately retired, that excites you. And so – thinking about what's about to happen to the women's game and we can have players that we follow because of their popularity and, and there being so much attention on them. Are we really ready for what's about to happen? The women's game we've seen already having in incremental growth. And then last year, a lot thanks to the women's uh, college basketball NCAA tournament brought a ton of eyes to the game to where, now, hey, we want to watch. There is a professional league with the best women's basketball players in the world. If you haven't been giving them a shot and haven't been giving them a look, maybe if the college game is this great, maybe you should look at the professional game. And for those that really uh, poured in and you saw the WBA uh, viewership skyrocket from previous years, which was impressive to watch, and um, them putting together a great series in the near WNBA Finals, but a great season overall. We saw super teams really for the first time. Um, so there's a lot of growth going on. Um, and I just think those three players, those three college basketball players I mentioned, they're only going to catapult that the league into new heights. And um, I was actually talking to my my wife during the game and I was saying, Hey, like, are I hope the WNBA is ready for what they're getting. Like you are getting magic bird and Jordan at the same time. That's essentially what's about to happen. Your league starting to get notoriety. People are starting to really accept the quality of basketball that you guys bring, not saying dumb comments like, Oh, Lord, the rim or, Oh, if they were wearing lingerie or whatever that dumb stuff they always bring up. They are actually uh, beginning to, I mean, for the casuals, I should say, I think anybody that loved the game, they love the game, right? But some of the casuals that are being poured into the game, we're kind of eliminating some of these troll takes that have, um, I wouldn't say hindered, but has taken uh, the shine away 
from our professional women's basketball players and the great style of play that they have and a great league that they have. And so um, one of the greats, Hall of Famer, if not the greatest uh, women's basketball player of all time, Cheryl Swoops, happened to be talking about uh, Caitlin Clark and, you know, maybe her style of play and what she's doing at Iowa and the way she's able to score and maybe jacking up shots from 40. That's not going to be the case in the WBA. It's going to be a lot tougher. And one of the reasons she gave, which makes sense, is that there are so few roster spots, right? I think there's only 12 roster spots available on the whole team. There's no development league or anything like that where it's essentially you're competing for their job. So where, um, for instance, San Antonio Spurs, with bringing in Victor Wimbenyama and having a vet like Zach Collins, having a vet like Doug McDermott, who I'm going to miss, uh, he got traded, having a, uh, a Chetty Osmond, what have you, guys that embraced, uh, older guys that embraced the young guy, teaching the ropes because they know, hey, you're the future of this team, things like that. Well, what the Honorable Michelle Swoops was saying was that you're not going to necessarily get that type of love because to the veterans in that league, to them, you are a competition. You are the one taking food off their plate, taking money out of their pocket. So this big sister, we're going to lean on you. You can kind of, you know, do your thing. That may not be what happens for the Caitlin Clarks, the, the Angel Reese's, the Paige Beckers of the world. And I'm here to tell you, well, that has to change. And does that kind of start at the top with the WNBA? Maybe starting to try to find opportunity for more roster spots. I can guarantee you with the eyes and the viewership that these young ladies and the young women that are that are still going to be in the college game and working their way up to the pros, um, what they're going to be bringing, it's going to bring in the finances as well. And you want to kind of be proactive and not reactive to it. And so maybe start looking at expand or an expansion team or bringing in more roster spots to where your veterans feel a little bit more secure um, in, in where they are in the team. And then obviously when you're bringing in a top five pick, you're expected to develop them. They're going to be a franchise player and not a year later, you're seeing a top five pick being cut from the team because they got beat out by a veteran. You need to start establishing these players. That's not saying, you know, just give them everything and they don't have to work for it. No, but essentially some of these players are going to be the faces of your franchise. And I think they should be treated as such. I think every league, male or female, does a good job of boasting their stars. And where I think the WBA can, is going to improve, especially with this new crop of women's players coming into their league, is that the young players are going to get a little bit more love right away, if that makes sense, and a little bit more leeway. Um, and like I said, for a Caitlin Clark who's coming into that league, you got to be ready not only for the star power, but the style of game she plays. Uh, can she learn, you know, a backdoor cut and stuff like that? Sure, that's cool. But uh, the people want to see her coming down, crossover pull-up. That's what the crowd wants to see. That's what the fans want to see. That's what is going to bring not just – or that's not just going to keep the basketball lovers there. 
but it's going to bring folks that don't know much about basketball, but they're learning through uh, or via watching some of your stars do phenomenal things. Think of how many new eyes Steph Curry brought to the game. Think of how many new eyes um, LeBron, Kobe. We know how many new eyes Michael Jordan brought to the game of basketball. Um, so think about that in this context. You are getting those types of players from a from a star power standpoint alone. And they just have to be really great at playing basketball. And that's not to say they're going to come into the league by storm. I mean, who knows? I'm not saying she's going to have to be a Maya Moore who just comes in and is immediately the best player in the league. But they should at least be given that opportunity. Um, I know sometimes people look at Angel Reese and we're wondering if her game will translate because she's a traditional big and um, – even the women's game to a degree is starting to move a little bit away from that where, you know, their bigs are starting to take more jumpers and, and some three-pointers, and that's not really Angel's game. But at the end of the day, I mean, look, I'm old school when it comes to basketball. So anybody that can put their back to the basket and, and has that that footwork, look, all you got to do in the offseason is get her with Akeem Olajuwon and Lisa Leslie, and she'll be just fine. But, you know, some might say her game has become a little bit more outdated, but I just think she plays uh, with such toughness and uh, such poise, especially when there's bodies around her. There's a bunch of people poking the, poking at the ball. The guards are kind of digging. You got the bigs there, and it doesn't matter. Uh, she's a phenomenal passer out of the post, phenomenal rebounder. We know what she brings on the defensive end, and like I said, I'm an old-school guy. If you can play defense and you can keep up that level of play, you're going to go a long way as a professional ball player in my mind. And so what she brings on that end alone, I think her offense will eventually get better. But again, you have to be patient with a player like that. It can't be an in another cycle of a top three or four pick, which Angel is likely going to be based on the season that she's having coming off of a national championship, probably going to win another national championship um, down in Baton Rouge. So, if you can be patient with her offensive game developing and she already is coming in as a really good defender, both in the post and on the perimeter, when she gets switched on guards, you got a hell of a ball player on your hand. Will she be 30 and 10 and, and that type of stuff? Probably not. But again, I think there's a level of, of at least on one side of the ball, I think she's elite. And that can translate to the next level. And we know what she brings from a social media standpoint, from the endorsement standpoint. That's someone that you want to grow with. And there's going to be an opportunity where consistently we're seeing WNBA players on our television screens. And again, that's putting money in their pockets. That's going to be bringing more eyes to the game because we want to see where they're what their careers look like, and that's going to bring more television revenue, I'm hoping. And I think they they have the level of star power where they help you in that fight. Um, I know sometimes when we think about viewership, you got to have stars that really drive that TV revenue. If it's just, oh, well, we're just trying to do it for the love of the game. Well, it's going to be hard-pressed to get a TV network to commit to that. Um, but they already have some promising stars in the league as it stands. You have some folks coming in a pipeline. It is a formula for success if you want it to be. Um, but gone are the days of the, well, they got to work for it. They ain't going to be able to do what they're doing in college in this league. 
the best chance for the league survival is letting them do it. Uh, letting the person shoot from 40. I would love to see Sabrina Unescu take more tough shots. I think to a degree what I saw her doing in college um, at Oregon, I thought when she was coming into league, she was going to set it on fire, being a, a, a Mamba disciple. And from my viewing standpoint, I felt like her game was a little suppressed. And you kind of see there are some games where she can disappear. And I think part of that is because probably not having that confidence to just go out and play your game. And so I'm hoping for the newer and the younger players coming into the league, they get that confidence. Yes, they have to compete their behinds off. But do they need to compete their behinds off for a roster spot as a 22-year-old going up against a 30-year-old that's been to – eight or nine different training camps. They know how it works. They know how to have their body trained. You don't get taught that at the college level. Guess what? They still have to go to class. You know what I mean? They still have responsibilities outside of playing the game of basketball that when it's your actual career, you don't have to worry about. None of those WNBA players now have to worry about going to class unless they're going to get their master's or something. But if they're just playing basketball and it's their job and they – you know, when they're not at the facility, they're probably with a personal trainer or they have someone getting their body right. Um, they're playing year round. Remember that they're playing um, overseas. So where a lot of w WNBA players or a lot of the college women's players haven't played for months, some of these WNBA players, the vets, they've been playing during that whole time. So when that tournament for the for the college women's team ends and then they gotta wait to be drafted and then they go to the um and then they go to their team and training camp. They haven't been playing basketball. They have to catch up. And so um again, I, I do think it's not a matter of where I feel like a lot of these young players are gonna be bad or anything, but I've just seen some promising players uh come in from college and they may not get it right away. And that's in every league. That's just not um, solely on women's basketball. But what we've seen in other leagues, women's and men's, is that there's a, a grace period, so to speak, where, okay, your first year, you're really learning. Um, you might be the star player, so to speak, but you still have to learn. Um, keep in mind, they're not used to playing as many games and being as active as – professional athletes are so you gotta get your body right you gotta get your mind right um and so those are things that i feel like the league and the respective teams in the in the wba can really help with that and also in terms of being ready are the tv networks truly ready for that um you know you guys are gonna have to pay up i know y'all been trying to lowball women's basketball for years but it's coming to a point in time where there's too much attention and the quality is better than it's ever been, where you got to stop shortchanging them. I think there's enough people that want to watch quality games and they want to see it broadcast. They don't want to have to get a subscription or anything to watch because all that does is hurt the league. It hurts the product. We should be able to watch it on the ESPNs and the ABCs of the world. And to their credit, they've been doing a good job. I've been watching more WNBA games on essentially uh, regular TV, as I say, than ever before since I was a kid. Um, that was a big reason why I got into women's basketball. I remember uh, watching Cheryl Swoops and Lisa Leslie on my TV. I didn't have to have 
the expensive cable to be able to watch them play. The game was accessible to me. And I think you have to go back to, because I understand sports in general, uh, the access to sports has become a little bit difficult. You're having these uh, subscription platforms. And we had a playoff game on Peacock, for crying out loud, a, a playoff football game on Peacock. Like, that's never happened. That's setting a bad precedent. Next thing you know, the Super Bowl is going to be pay-per-view. And so you're you're in an age where sports and sports viewership is getting attacked to a certain degree. And unfortunately, it's happening at a time where women's basketball is better, is better product, better quality, and more popular than it's ever been in its history, in my opinion. And I think networks have to be ready for that. You can't just go and say, oh, well, if you want to watch it, you have to subscribe to the WNBA network or the NBA network and all this. People are, are tired of that. We want to have access. Um, and so I think it's the network's job and their responsibility to provide access to quality products. It doesn't matter the sport. But especially with the WBA and where they're going and where women's basketball is going, um, you know, and it starts at the college level, put more college games on TV, which we're starting to see, which is a step in the right direction. But we're not where it needs to be yet. Right. There's always room to grow. And I think, you know, any any professional athlete, especially on the women's side, will tell you, hey, we're not done yet. The fight has to keep going on. You still have to demand um, equality and how. Uh, business is conducted when it comes to um, women's sports and the deals that are being offered to them in comparison to their male counterparts. Um, and so I think we're getting to a point now from a viewership standpoint where uh, you can no longer begin to say, well, you aren't getting as many people in. Um, I think we're getting a lot more eyes on the product and I think we're getting a lot more star power entering the league as opposed to coming into the league, building up their brand, and then becoming stars. I think we're being able to follow stars uh, more closely than ever before because they're famous on social media. They're famous in celebrity circles, um, famous in commercials. Um, Kaylin Clark has a few commercials. You got Angel Reese in videos, uh, things like that. So it's a rare but great opportunity that I think every league at some point in time has experienced. Um, and I will say this is this is a chance that you can't miss. Um, I think there's been misses with, you know, Brittany Griner and Alina Deladon. I think that could have been your, your magic bird and it could have been built up to be that way. And it just never was. Now we have a second chance with Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese. Yeah, they have two different styles of game, but they are kind of on a collision course right now uh, to see who's going to win a national championship. And so I can see that happening. And that could be a rivalry that goes to the next level. And we have to be ready for that. We have to embrace that. I want to see more more rivalries, more personal rivalries um, in the dub, where it's this player, this player, their journey, they've met here. We're seeing, hey, are they going to meet in the playoffs depending on where they're getting drafted? Or is this a potential WNBA finals matchup? Again, depending on what conference and, and things like that they're in. And we can really build on that. I think of, as a fan, you love that. You love the personal battles, um, especially when you have a, a, a passion for both 
athletes or a bunch of athletes that are are kind of doing this thing. Um, and so you, you really have to ask yourself, are you are you truly ready for what's happening? Because it's happening regardless of whether we whether we're ready for it or not, right? But it's exciting. Um, and I've said that, I said this last year uh, doing during the um, women's college basketball final four. I said it during uh, the WBA finals. It is a wonderful time to not just be a fan of women's sports, but a fan of sports in general. And the way um, the women in sports are carrying the torch from those that laid the foundation, uh, times where they didn't think women could play these sports and um, not getting the love and the respect that they deserve for what they put in and the effort they put in, the time and all that type of stuff. I feel like it's all coming together. And look, I could be naive because I'm somebody who's always had this adoration for sports and women's sports in particular. Um, you know, I come from a sports family. That's just what everybody did. So it never really made a difference to me. But when, you, when you're around on Twitter and you're seeing people in the streets talk, not everybody actually had that adoration for the game. And you're starting to see, and that it warms my heart because I'm starting to see folks that probably never really cared that much, to be quite honest with you, start to care. Um, you're starting to see stadiums being sold out. That's stuff that had never happened before. Women's basketball wasn't getting that love. And so my, my thing is if they're selling out college stadiums, guess what? I'm expecting them to sell out professional arenas worldwide when they have the time where they have to go play overseas, which is possible, or – in this case, the players coming in are so famous, they don't need to go overseas now. They can play their contract with the dub, and then in the offseason, they can go do other things that don't result in them having to go overseas to go get a check. Because we've seen Brittany Griner being the most recent one where you can be in a situation where you're in another country that's going through some terrible things, and you're stuck. And so... You know, we had kind of talked about before, like what what can we do to make sure players don't have to do that? And we've talked about giving more money in. And I know some WNBA players have kind of created their own league during the summer so they can stop it um, or, or stop players from having to go overseas to, to get money and things like that. So there's been some traction on what to do. And now, and, and to a degree, that still revolves around the game of basketball. Now you're getting stars coming into the dub. They don't have to play basketball to make money. Honestly, them coming to the WNBA is a formality. They don't need that. They're stars on their own. They can just be social influencers and be just fine. But they love the game. They love that league. They want to prove that they are truly the best of the best on the planet. And they're going to have that opportunity. And in the offseason, they can go do their own thing. So now we don't have to worry about them being overseas and maybe getting in trouble or there's a war that breaks out where they are and they're in danger. We're getting to a point where that's less and less an issue. And we're getting to a point where there's going to be more money in the game. And so even for the ones that don't necessarily have the social, social media presence or the influencer presence, they won't have to go overseas to provide for their families. They can collect their WNBA check. 
and be just fine, spend the rest of the time training, maybe having some camps in the States and, and making some money that way, uh, you know, pushing the game more and more uh, to young to young boys and girls who want to get involved in the game of basketball. There's a lot that they can do. Um, we're seeing some of the active players, they're getting into television, uh, making it to ESPN, TNT, um, the podcast game. I would like to see more uh, women athletes kind of start these podcasts. I feel like the guys are are kind of dominating that a little bit in terms of that's all you see. But I would love to see a Candace Parker podcast. I would love to see a Cheryl Swoops, a Lisa Leslie podcast, like the the pioneers of the game. Like, I would love to hear Coach Staley talk for hours about basketball and life. So, um just the way the market has expanded for everyone um, to be able to share with us, us commoners, us regular folk, um, the, the the possibilities are endless. But we have to be ready for it. We have to be ready to consume a great product. So when they do come out with their podcasts and their, th and their shows and whatever, are we ready to support them in that capacity? Um, when they're coming to our home arenas, are we ready to support them and sell out those arenas? Not just have a few people in there, sell out those arenas. And we're starting to see traction in both the college and professional game. But let's capitalize on it. Let's keep our foot on their neck. And you know what I mean by, by their neck? We got to keep our foots there because the moment we ease up, the moment uh, numbers go down a tick or two, they're going to say, oh, it was just a, a phase. It was just... It's not something that's sustainable, and I just call bullshit on that. I think this is a product that is sustainable, and they don't necessarily have to make the amends that men, like me, let's, let's keep it a book, it's been men, have suggested that the WNBA and women's sports in general make to get support. They didn't have to do any of that, and guess what? They have, they have more eyes on their product than ever. There's just a few tweaks and things like that that I just think need to happen, and that's more so with roster construction and um, the developing of young players, especially young players that we um, are kind of coming up with uh, throughout their collegiate career. Some we're knowing from their high school career, collegiate career, not a professional career. So what is kind of that safe space to be able to truly develop? Um because these jobs mean something. So and I and I got, you know, Cheryl Sweet's point where you coming from my job, but hey, what are some ways that we can not only make the game easier for our younger athletes coming in and their development, what can we do for our veterans? Because at the end of the day, they've been they've been busting their ass for years, right? And if they feel like a, a high shot rookie is the one taking their spot, they're gonna they're gonna shut that up real quick. So how can we create a space where our veterans feel safe. And look, not every veteran is going to feel safe, but you know who you are. You know if you're just the 10th the person on the bench and your spot might not be safe. But uh, I'm talking about folks that are all-stars, uh, players that, you know, contribute to winning and things like that. They should be pretty secure in their spot on the team to where they can pour some of their energy, right, into some of your younger players. And you're building that brand. You're building uh, players that have been with a team for years, right? Um, and we can galvanize around that. But I'm telling y'all, that was just something on my on my mind. You know, 
I, I know Sunday everybody was thinking about the Super Bowl and things like that, but I just happened to cut on the Iowa Nebraska game and then watch the um, LSU Alabama game after that, and I was just like, man, this is these players are phenomenal, and it's not even just the star players I, I mentioned. There are what you could what you would consider role players that are making plays and they should have an opportunity to play at the next level. We're not the next level in Russia or the next level in Serbia or the next level in Italy. They should be able to showcase their skills right here in the States. There's a league with the best players in the world. Let's grow that league. How can we be ready to grow that league as a, as an organization? How can we grow that league as TV executives? How can we grow that league as fans of the game that are watching at home, but also those who are fortunate to have a WNBA team because it is a privilege to have a WNBA team in your city. You need to go out there and support them and make sure they feel welcome in the city they're in and know that they have a fan base, know that they're loved, and that they're appreciated. So there's a lot of work that we all can do and we have to do because it's coming, whether, we, whether we're ready for it or not. And what you don't want to do is be too late and have to get ready instead of already being ready. Um, and I'm telling you right now, I'm ready. And what I'm hearing about who the Dallas Wings are going to be drafting, um, I got to talk to my wife, but I might be trying to get season tickets, just saying, because I'm excited for – I was excited for their season last year, and if they're getting who I think they're getting in the draft, they might make a fan out of me for life. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But just the thought. In my head, just thought I should share that. You know, we'll get back to some other things. But, man, real good time, again, to be a sports fan. We just came off of football season. We're about to get into the heart of um, college basketball season, men's and women's. We're about to get in the the heart of the NBA season as that that playoff push and, and maybe even that award push. I mean, Joel Embiid has been effectively knocked out of the MVP race. So who's next up to get it? Um, and how is that going to look? Um, you got some of the spring football leagues. You got spring football in college. So you're going to uh, see some of the new faces and things like that. Um, and then, then after you know it, it's going to be the NFL draft. It's going to be WNBA draft. It's going to be NBA draft. So it's going to be spring training for baseball. So there's a lot going on. Um, right now, a lot to be excited about. Um, and I look forward to sharing it with sharing it all with you. And so if there's anything you guys know, I put it, put it on my Twitter app, but disrespect, if there's any topics that you want me to cover, um, again, whether it be the major sports that we know, if it be, uh, football, but you know, soccer for us Americans, us uncultured folks, um, if it's WWE, if it's AEW, if it's, uh, any wrestling promotion, look, I'm always eager to learn, always eager to talk about this type of stuff. So um, whatever topics you guys want to hear about, let me know, man. Drop them in the comments. Drop them. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at But Disrespect. Um, always uh, enjoy talking to my agents of Disrespect, um, both in the comments section and on social media, man. Uh, you guys keep me honest. Um, it's always a pleasure to be able to do this uh, two times a week. Um, I know had a little hiatus, but travel and work, you know, I do have a day job, but, um, but I always, I think before I 
kind of didn't really care um, whether I got an episode or not. But the love that you guys have shown um, over the, the past year or two has kind of kept me motivated and humbled to keep this thing going. Um, so looking forward to talking more and more about sports. Looking forward to having um, some guests in the future to talk about some things um, and really exciting. So it's exciting to be a sports fan, excited to be a podcast fan, excited to be an agent of respect. Um, and so with that ending, as I always do, if there's anything I said that offended anybody, that's a good thing. It's an opportunity for me to learn. It's an opportunity for you to teach me. All I ask is that you keep it respectful. Peace.